So what, what comes to mind uh, when you think of the word masterpiece? When you think of the word masterpiece, what comes to mind for you? Maybe, maybe it's like one of uh, Beethoven's uh, great works, symphonies. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a great seared, perfectly cooked steak. You know, it's a masterpiece. Maybe you think of uh, the Cowboys tight end Jason Witten running the perfect Y option route and then catching the touchdown from Dak Prescott, a masterpiece. I know for most of you that was the last one. It was, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, maybe for, for many of us, when you think about masterpiece and you think about that for a little while, you think about this painting, the Mona Lisa by some random guy named Leonardo da Vinci. The, the most uh, iconic of, of paintings and pieces of art, arguably, in the world. Uh, masterpiece. What do you think about when you think about the word masterpiece? I wonder if we, we could ask a question to God, the same one. And we ask him the question, hey, God, can you imagine this? God, what, what, what do you think about when you think about the word masterpiece? Masterpiece. What do you think he would say? Well, his word says it. Um, this is his answer. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, if you want to hear God speak, for sure, you just open his scriptures. He's speaking to you right there. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things, the good things that he's called us to do, that he prepared beforehand. If you do ever anything good in your life, if you ever serve Jesus in any kind of way, uh, you make an impact in someone's life, you don't get the credit. You don't get the credit. God does. It was all his idea anyway. You're just walking on it. But the, but the cool thing is that if, if you read Ephesians 2, and I encourage you to read uh, Ephesians at least 1 through 3, like give half the book this week uh, a read, uh, it's, it's, it's a short read, uh, read that and what you'll see is in context of what he's talking about is that he is not just talking about you as an individual. He, he's not saying that, hey, we as individuals are God's masterpiece. He's saying something different. He's saying we, as God's people, as the church, are God's masterpiece. The church is God's masterpiece. Now, this is an interesting thing, right? Like, uh, for most of us, we don't think about a masterpiece when we look at the church. For, 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 for many of us, really, and most of the people in the world, we, when, we, when we think about uh, God's church, we, we think of, like, hypocrites. We, th we think of people who are just unintellectual, uh, blind faith kind of thing. We think of people who, uh, like, a group of people that are dysfunctional, a group of people who, who just, ah, they don't have life quite figured out. Maybe a lot of people in the world think of the people in the church as people who just need a crutch to get through life. Uh, you, you've heard these kind of things, right? And maybe sometimes you've thought these kinds of things when someone in the church hurts you. Like many of us got church hurt, right? Uh, we, we've been hurt by the church. But you have to understand something that, that when God sat down to, to create a masterpiece, he created the church. And this is why we're going to continue in the series, Unstoppable, the church and her mission, because we need to remember who we are as God's church. Because if we remember who we are, then we have a chance on living that out. Too many times when people hurt you in the church, that they're part of God's people and they hurt you, it's because they forgot who they are. 
Uh, When you're in a a church that's dysfunctional, it's because they're not living into what God has prepared for them and created them to be. So so we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 3 and and see what God is up to when he's creating this new people called the church. So Ephesians chapter 3, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and go there. Ephesians 3. I'd encourage you, if, if you don't have a Bible, um, you know, that you, that you bring, get one. I'm usually preaching out of the Christian Standard Bible. It's kind of a new translation. Uh, it's very uh, accurate as far as word for word, but it also is, is good with, with the, the language and not making it so choppy. So uh, I encourage you, grab one. If you don't have one, talk to me. I'll get you one, okay? Uh, I want you to engage in Scripture, uh, but you also use that, that Bible app too. You can uh, modify the translation. You could Read word for word what I'm reading. So you know it's not just something I came up with, you know. I'm not that good. Uh, All right, Ephesians chapter 3, let's dive in. It says this, Paul writing, he says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, and then he makes kind of an aside that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the aside, but he's introducing them. He's saying, hey, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, I pray for you. In verse 14, he, he says, I, I pray for this reason I kneel before the Father. Um, and so he, th- for this reason, and he's going to talk about um, he's praying for the church in Ephesus. But he doesn't say that. He kind of goes on to the side, you know, rabbit trail kind of deal, and, and he says this. You have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you? You've heard about it, right? The mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have briefly written above. So if he's referring to what he's already written in Ephesians 1 and 2. By, by reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. There's a word in there that repeats. He says it a couple of times. Uh, Anybody got, you're kind of paying attention. What's that word? Anybody? You just throw, throw it out there. Everybody's afraid. Okay, it's called, it's the word mystery. Mystery. Anybody like, like mystery shows, mystery stories, mystery books, mystery movies? Amen, yes. Like any good movie has a little bit of mystery to it, right? But, but some of us, like we love the whole puzzle idea. Anybody watch uh, Sherlock, the BBC version that, that was recently, like it was on Netflix for a while? That's some good stuff. Like, I don't, you don't even know what's going on half the time, but it's good. It's, it's real good. Uh, they make some good stuff. But, but the, the idea with the mystery is that there's something happening that we're not, we don't know what it is. And, and uh, for, for example, we've got a, a mystery in our household that, that kind of reoccurs every day. Uh, so, like, we'll, we'll go into the boys' room, right? They share a room, and they've got their cribs, and uh, we go in there, and we, they're, they're awake, and so we get them out of the crib, and, and uh, they've got their pacifiers at that time, like, it's there, you know. <laughs> and then the rest of the day goes on, right? And, and, and we get to lunchtime. After we eat lunch, they go down for a nap. And, and at nap time, we're, we're kind of given this, this mysterious storyline because we don't know where the pacifiers are. I don't know, like, to me, it, it feels like oftentimes that the pacifiers, many of you parents, you remember this, right? Like, uh, it's like the pacifier got up and they just wanted to go hang out at Hugh's coffee shop. Like, I don't know. 
You know, like, this is just like, I'm, I'm done, you know, I'm just, I need a break. <laughs> uh, and they just leave. I don't know what it is. And we don't ever figure out how they go, where they go, because we end up finding them and, and we just don't know the story. <laughs> it's a mystery. Uh, many of us, we, we, we enjoy a mystery. But the interesting thing about uh, th- this, what Paul's saying is that there, there was a mystery that, that God had uh, put in place in eternity past. Uh, and, and, and it wasn't revealed to people, uh, the prophets wasn't revealed to anybody until now when he's writing this. He's like, God gave me this by direct revelation that, that, that this, here's the thing, that, that, that the Gentiles, which, which if you're not Jewish, that's you and me, are co-heirs partners in the promise, members of the same body. Now, for us, like, it's not like, that's not like a very big thing. Like, we're like, oh, cool. Like, that means I'm included. You know, it's good news. But, but for the Jews of the first century, this was, this was something very uncomfortable. You have to understand, the Jews as the people of God were called to be set apart. Uh, they, 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 they looked at Gentiles as unclean. Like you wouldn't go, if you're a good first century Jew, you ain't going to Gentiles' houses and hanging out, eating a meal with them. Because then you have to go through this whole ceremonial uh, cleanliness process so that you could be ceremonially clean again before God. And so, and, and what God had put in place for the Jews to be set apart so that they can be his people and bring in the Messiah, Jesus, uh, that, that basically turned into the people of the Jews, the people of Israel, looking down on the Gentiles. Kind of having this like us and them dynamic, which is hard to do if, if, if you're kind of like living a separate life because you don't know them, you don't know uh, how they are. And really for the Jews in the first century, all of the, the, the messiness of life, all the idolatry uh, was from the Gentiles. And think about this too, for a, for a first century Jew uh, who is under Roman rule, the Gentiles are the enemy. They're the ones, the, they're, they're the oppressors of you. And so like it, for this, for Paul to say that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, partners in the promise, that is hard to understand. As a matter of fact, if you read the New Testament and you read a lot of the letters that were written by Paul and, and they're written to churches dealing with dynamics, many of those uh, letters were written for the very purpose of helping them understand how to live among each other. When you have people who are different from each other who come together, it creates some tension, yes? But, but what Paul is saying is that th- this is a game changer because Because Jesus, when he was on the cross, not only did he take on our sin, not only did he reconcile our relationship with him, people and God, a vertical relationship, but he was also reconciling our relationship with each other as human beings. Because now we're called to love God and love others. And and Jesus said, love your enemy? Who's your enemy? If you're a Jew, the Romans. And now... Paul, you're telling me that, that now these people are favored by God? They've been oppressing me. They've been the enemy. They hated me. And now they're supposed to be in the same family? 
that was, that was something that was hard to deal with for them. And so that's the kind of dynamic. See, the gospel uh, goes in and invades all of our prejudices, all of our biases against people who don't look like us, don't think like us, don't talk like us, don't listen to the same music as us. God wants his people, the church, to be a people who are diverse and unified. Why? Because we have a unifying factor in our midst, and that is Jesus Christ. So this is the cool thing. People from different generations, different socioeconomic classes, different ethnicities can come together into the same group of people and thrive because Jesus is breaking down all those barriers, breaking down all those walls. This is the game changer of the gospel. There's so much to it. Uh, Here's the thing. When, When God sat down to make his masterpiece, God's grand masterpiece isn't a painting. It's a people. And that people is the church. He he set out to create a people for him. He not only came in to set in place his kingdom, but he wanted to create a people for his own possession for him. So the implications for today, you know, like when, when we are interacting with people who are different from us, when, when people come into these doors who are different than you, maybe they just kind of, they, they're not from Indiana, like they're not from the Midwest. Maybe they have an accent. I don't know. Like we can thrive together. Why? Because Jesus loved me and he loved you and he loves them. And we are called then to be people who love God and love others. No differences in this world. Different political opinions. Where's the toes? Let me step on them. Anybody want to line up? <laughs> Let's just sit here for, on this right here. Jesus went to the cross so that every single difference we have would be crucified so that we can be one people unified under him, under him. So never let anything that, that you have as a, an opinion elevate your, uh, your, your devotion to love people, to love people. We are Christ followers first. We'll move on. So co-heirs, members of the same body, partners in the promise. Uh, Here's the the dynamic here. Co-heirs, that means that these Gentiles who were their oppressors are now going to get the same inheritance that the Jews were going to get. The the Jews who are following Jesus and the Gentiles who are following Jesus, they have the same inheritance because what we'll talk about in 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 a few weeks is that they're members of the same family now. Members of the same body, that's, that's them being brought together. It's not that you just learn to deal with people. It's not that you just learn to tolerate people. It's that you learn to be attached to one another and love people. That's a game changer. And this was hard for the first century church, y'all. And it's hard for us today, too. But, but, but God has given us the Holy Spirit to develop in us a compassion and empathy, a love for people who are different from us. Jesus himself said, if, if you just love the people who love you, what difference is it between you and the Gentiles? What difference is it you between, between you and the people who don't even believe? Nothing, but he says, love your enemy. Love those who are different from you. 
And he says that we are partners in the promise. The, the partners in the promise is such an amazing thing because uh, the Israelites, the Jews were the people of God and they got to, uh, to, to have all these promises that God was gonna do something mighty in, the, in their midst. And, and for them, they understood them to be the receivers of that only. But if you read Galatians, you'll see that, that the, 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 the blessing, the offspring of Abraham was, was Jesus, and through him all nations will be blessed. Uh, and and we, we see things like this in Jeremiah 31. This is a prophet from the Old Testament saying this, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. See, he's, he's talking about the house of Israel, house of Judah, two kingdoms under, under God. Those are the, the Jews. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master. This is, I'm gonna do something new. I'm gonna do something new. The Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of the, them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. That promise it was not just for the Israelites, not just for the Jews themselves, but now we are brought together uh, into the same people. We are all sharing into the family of the Israelites, the Jews. We are grafted in, as Jesus said in John 15. We're grafted into the vine, and we're, we're brought together. This is a game changer if you understand that each one of us are Gentiles and without Jesus, we are all hopeless. Uh, verse, verse eight says this, Ephesians three, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints. Paul's so humble, Paul's so humble. Uh, but remember, like he was a, he was a persecutor of Christians. D the dude was like killing people for following the way. I mean, you know, like this is a big transformation story. Like his, his testimony would have been pretty crazy. It is. This, was, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, <laughs> to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom, I love that word, that Greek word is, 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 is amazing in, in what it's articulating. Many-sided, many-colored, many-multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church. Get this. i read that again. This is so that. What is so that? God's grace is going to, the, to the, not only the Jews and to the Gentiles, and this is so that. This is the purpose. This is so that, get this, God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the, say it with me, church, through the church, <laughs> to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Verse 10, I love that. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. 
If you, if you take into Ephesians the whole thing all together, with, with the idea you're getting is that uh, God goes to the angels, the good ones and the evil ones, and you say, hey, pull up a chair and watch me work. Come on. I'm going to get your popcorn ready. I, I got the popcorn. I got the pop for you. I got everything is good. I got your candy, everything you would want. Pull up a chair. Pull up a chair. We're going we're gonna to watch me work. And, and he sits them down and says, watch what I'm doing. And he puts on the screen, y'all. What does he put on the screen? He puts on the screen God's church gathering together where he sees the angels. They didn't understand this was happening. Satan and his, his angels, the evil angels, are like, what's going on? All the hatred I've sown, all the division I've sown, all the, all the, 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 the prejudice I've sown, all the divisions I've created, all these things that I've, I've worked toward so that people would hate each other. I see Jews and Gentiles and people from different backgrounds and, and, and nationalities and ethnicities and, and, and opinions of music and opinions of art and all these different things. They like different sports. Some of them don't even like sports. Pray for them, you know what I'm saying? And, and they all come together into one body, into one church, this, this supernatural gathering of people and they are all worshiping at the feet of Jesus and these angels are looking at it and you know what? What, the, what Satan and his angels are thinking, we're done. Like I knew we were done, but now we're really, really done. Why? Because Jesus is bringing together all peoples, every tribe, tongue, and nation into his family. God loves everyone and he's doing this. He's showing his multifaceted, many-sided, multicolored wisdom through Y'all, the Southern plural, <laughs> y'all, us, the church. God's masterpiece. It's not a painting, it's a people. It's called the church. And, and, and so you have to think about this, right? The world looks at us and like, they're like I don't, they see the headlines of when we mess up. But you know what also happens a lot of times? is that people see the church being the church. And this, don't, this doesn't make the, the national news headlines. This doesn't make the local news headlines often. You know, you know what, what happens? Is that people see God's church being God's church, loving each other, loving one another, loving their community. And you know what happens? They're like, I want some of that. That doesn't make a net news headline. But you know what? That's what Satan and his angels are paying attention to. That's what God's angels are paying attention to. You know, there's a party in heaven every time a sinner repents and gives their life to Jesus. They, they, for real, there's a party in heaven. So like as we're sitting there watching that video and listening to them talk up here and we're like, oh, that's good. Yeah, a smile. Like there's a party going on in heaven, church. God gets excited when people come to him. Everyone does. And so, and so we, we, can, we can just pour out in praise to him for what he has done and what he is doing. Church, we are a display of God's wisdom. And that should be humbling to us and that should be kind of weighty on us too. Because we're not, God's, God's uh, masterpiece is not a painting, so it's not just sitting there on display. We are his masterpiece, and we are supposed to move and do and go and be light and salt in the world. 
The church is to be a testimony of God's grace and wisdom. So church, like imagine what it would look like. Imagine what it would be like for, for us, God's church, First Church of Christ, our local church body, to be God's wisdom on the move in Bluffton and Wells County in places all around the world. What would it look like? What would that be like? I mean, imagine that, right? Imagine us thriving. Imagine us being unified. Imagine people from different backgrounds coming together and worshiping the king who gave his life for them. Imagine what that would be like for all of us to engage in what God is doing. Like, the first century church knows nothing of just a pew sitter. We, they were all serving each other. They were all loving each other. They were all involved in each other's lives. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were, they were breaking bread together in their homes. That's where the church in the first century met. They met in each other's homes. They were praying for another. They were sharing their possessions with one another. Imagine what God's church would do in the, in, in the 21st century. What would that look like? I'm just, I'm just wondering, what would you think would happen Maybe you've got ideas. Maybe you've, maybe you've got some kind of vision for God's church uh, finding a solution to the many challenges that face the people in our community. Maybe God's laying something on your heart right now of something that he wants you to do because we've been called to be the light and the salt of the world, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. What would that, what would that be like? What, what, what is God calling us to Remember, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good things he's called us to do, the good things he's prepared beforehand. I wonder, again, this is y'all, right? So y'all are God's masterpiece and there have been good things God has prepared y'all, us, to do. What would it maybe look like for us to consider what my part to play in the good work we're called to do. Like, what is your part to play? Because church is not just a, a place, it's not a place you come. Like, I want to make this clear, and this is like one of the biggest things, it's a minor thing, but it's a big thing. Church is not a place you go. Uh, hopefully, uh, this is the eighth week of Unstoppable that we're starting to get that. Uh, if this building burned down, there would still be a church. I don't know if many of y'all would come. Like, we don't have AC, you know, we're just meeting outside. I don't know, you know, what kind of sacrifice you're willing to make. Uh, but, but here's the reality. Like, we, there still is a church, with, regardless if there's a building or not. We're called to be the people of God, not requiring anything other than each other, the Holy Spirit working through us. So what would it look like for us to be God's church in Wells County? Here's, here's what I want to encourage us to do. Verse 12 says this, in him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Uh, for, for a Gentile understood that, you know, you, you, are, you were an enemy of God and then Jesus made you a child of God, that's, some, that's a big change. Now we have bold access, confident access that we can go to God in prayer and he'll listen and he'll respond and he'll speak and he'll move. So here's what I wanna encourage us to do. I want us to consider what good work can I help us do? Everyone has a part to play in what God is doing here in this church. 
And again, when I say church, I mean the people. What, God, what, what, what good work is God calling me to help us do? Because this is a, a collective effort. Maybe this community needs something that you have a heart for and, and God wants to use his church to meet that need so that people can understand who Jesus is because you've opened the door to them. Maybe you met some kind of physical need of theirs and you opened the door to them hearing about Jesus. Maybe God's laid something like that on your heart. Maybe, maybe you're one of the people who are student ministry needs. Maybe you're one of the people who are children's ministry needs. Maybe you're one of the, the people our guest services team needs to, to greet people, make people feel welcome, and, and, and you know, so that they know that we're glad that they're here. Um, there's all kinds of opportunities for you to get involved here in this church and all kinds of opportunities that I am ready and, and would, would love to hear your passion so that we can go and let this community know that we are for them, that God is for them, that God is on the move and we can show them what the church looks like because friends, many people are growing up in this world, they do not know what unity looks like. They do not know what family looks like. They do not know what a people gathered together under Jesus' banner looks like. They don't know what it looks like. They've never seen it. They are me before Jesus. They have no idea what Jesus, what his significance is. They have no idea. But church, we've been called to do good works in this world so that people would know him. We are God's masterpiece. It wasn't a a painting, it's a people, the church. So church, uh, I've got my info up here. Uh, would love to you con- for you to consider what, would, what is God wanting me to help us do? And, and many of you are already serving and involved and think, I thank God for you. I thank God for the, the things that he's doing through you. But I know many of us here still have a step to take. And so would love for you to get in contact with me. Let me know what, what is God calling you to do? Because every person has a part to play in God's church. Let's pray.